everyone, and welcome to episode 364 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this fine Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth, doing well. How are you doing? Ah, I'm also doing well. I'm in the middle of, we got quite the snowstorm. This is the, the biggest snowstorm of the year we've had so far currently going on, which isn't like ridiculously bad, but we probably got about a foot of snow since last night and it's uh, still coming down. So staying inside mostly, staying warm, but other than that, doing super well. But we got another co-host in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How are you today? Yo, uh, it goes well. Uh, I pretty much have had a pretty fun weekend, so, uh, you know getting ready for monday and doing everything that monday requires <laughs> oh yeah well today we got kind of an interesting cast uh, there wasn't a ton of like super big news this week no tournaments no spoilers so we're gonna be jumping around to a bunch of smaller topics talking about some uh we did get i guess some art previews from our new comic i was at wanted to mention that a little bit some watsy news with a new popper announcement some questions from mark rosewater's blog uh, blog so we're gonna be jumping Jumping around a little bit before answering fish mail. But before we get to that, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a great way to sell your magic collection for a while now in their curated shipment service, which lets you sell your valuable cards with a reduced service fee. And as long as your cards have a retail value of $2 or more, you can send in as many of them as you want and still just pay a 5% service fee. And like with all of Card Conduit services, you're not going to sort your cards. You don't get to grade your cards. You get to skip over all those hassles, just safely package up your cards and ship them out. And you'll even get a detailed report with the results. So you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee at just 5%. And you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And Let's start with some Kamigawa news. So we don't have spoilers, but Wizards is doing these like flavor stream panels and we have gotten some art out of them. And one piece in particular has a, I don't know, stirred some controversy, I guess, in the community. Richard, what is this piece of art and what do you guys think about it? All right, I, I just gotta preface this by saying, you know, we're in the off season when like the biggest thread on Reddit <laughs> is like art <laughs> critiques and here we are on a podcast <laughs> talking about it, but. But, oh, slow week. Uh, yeah, it's it's basically a DJ, uh, and I don't know with like arm augmentations and stuff. And like I, I see this and just just imagine like Secret Lair Arcane with Vi, and like here it is. Here here is the new like legendary skin from Riot, right? Like that's the vibes it gives off. But the, yeah, the controversy yeah. is not that you know it's copying Arcade. It's that this is not magicy, right? Like what is this? This is not my fantasy immersion uh, and that's what the conversation kind of breaks down into that we have djs on uh, <laughs> on kamigawa now is this is this cool is this what we thought of when we said return to kamigawa like what what is your guys take on this it's the future that's that, that i i don't know i mean i don't really think this is all that problematic i i just it doesn't ruin my immersion at all, really. I, I, I don't see why it would. Uh, I fully expected a lot of futuristic things. So I, I expect there to be a DJ. I, I, I expect there to be lots and lots of lights and neon. So 
it's gonna look a lot like that like your classic cyberpunk vibe i mean i i think we're just past the my immersion thing at this point like we got walking dead secret layer drops we got lord of the rings coming we got all these secret layer cards that are magic cards that don't look anything like actual magic cards or traditional magic cards so this doesn't actually offend me in any way like whatever i'm more curious like what does this card do like what what is a dj like what what possible effect could this card have because I really don't, like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't, like, what, a removal spell? Is this a creature? Is it, like, uh, so I'm very, very curious, like, what this card is actually going to do. Because that part of it really puzzles me. I don't know how this is going to have a, a magic effect on a game. But as far as just being, like, a DJ on a magic card, I'm past that at this point. There's just so many cards that don't look like traditional magic cards now. I, I don't know. I think that battle's kind of over, personally. Card's called Amped It Up draw to discard to like you know like what do you like i don't know right target creature gets plus two plus so it's like i, I don't know like, but it's gonna be in green and give hex proof it looks very is, is it, is the it colors card. or is it yeah if this is not an is it card then then watsy did something egregious here but yeah i i mean i kind of get what people are like you return to kamigawa and kamigawa had a very distinctive flavor to it right the original kamigawa and then now they're like, okay, we're going to do ninjas, but present day. And now we're going to do ninja DJs. And then people are like, what? <laughs> right? Like it start, it's getting further and further away from your expectation. It's it's like return to Zendikar where, I mean, like nothing wrong with Eldrazi. But when you said return to Zendikar, you didn't think like Eldrazi, right? And then now they threw all this Eldrazi on you and you're like, well, this is, this is weird. So maybe it's just that disconnect. Whereas... If this was a new world, maybe people wouldn't complain about it. But because it is Kamigawa, they're like, what is going on? That's actually like a pretty a pretty reasonable argument. Like if you're looking at it from the perspective of like being a Kamigawa purist, I guess, and wanting our return to Kamigawa to be very much like the, the original Kamigawa, then I could see how this would be a little bit jarring. But I think Wizards is like they've talked about it in some of their streams and whether or not this is going to actually work out in practice remains to be seen. But I think the idea is like half of the set's going to be traditional Kamigawa and then the other half of the set's going to be like the cyberpunk Kamigawa. So I don't know if that's a good idea. Maybe that's just too weird for people and it would be better if it was all more like traditional Kamigawa. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think it'll hopefully work out in the end. It's going to be interesting to see how it actually shakes out when we see more of the set. I guess at this point we just haven't seen too much so it's hard to read too much into it and we've seen some like very classic looking Kamigawa art pieces come out too so this is kind of I don't know an outlier maybe so far in my opinion but I don't it is uh, kind of generic looking like if I saw this my first if I just saw this uh, like come across my Twitter or something my first thought wouldn't be oh that's probably new magic art it would be like League of Legends or like some mobile game or like any any other number of games like this could be so in that sense it doesn't actually scream magic to me but I don't know what what is magic anymore when it comes to art like it's, it's just changed so much in the past couple of years that maybe that's just how cards are now any other thoughts on uh on the Kamigawa art or should we keep moving forward 
All right, so we got a we got an announcement from Wizards. They are creating a popper panel with community members who are going to help Wizards. Uh, also, Gavin Verhey is uh, is running it. So, uh, Watsy people along with community members to hopefully guide the popper format with bannings and changes like that. Did you guys see this announcement? And what do you think? Is this going to be a good thing for the popper format, or uh, I don't know? What the, what do you think about the popper panel? Well, I actually myself didn't really watch the popper panel so i'm still not because i never really followed popper to begin with so i mean I'm, I'm glad the format's getting a lot of or getting more attention and getting the or you know the treatment and whatnot that it deserves because i know people do play popper so i guess that's a good thing it can't be a bad thing yeah, so the the idea of it, it wasn't a panel as much as like a stream where they talked about the format. It's like a, a kind of a committee almost. So you, they grab like six popper playing community members and are are doing a committee where they're gonna like help advise wizards essentially on an ongoing basis for what they should do as far as the direction of the format. Just so that's clear, because panel can mean multiple things. What do you what do you think about this one, Richard? Eh, I mean, I mean, wizards <laughs> has had focus groups. Not that's the wrong word. They've had teams dedicated to you know various parts of magic and i don't know that it's ever been net positive nor negative so i i'm not sure like we we had the focus on modern and the focus on commander and depending on how you view that you can draw your own conclusions uh but so now they're going to have a little focus on popper does that fix anything i don't know does that break everything i don't know uh so i i, I don't know like the, the only good news is that Wizards recognizes Popper as a format, um, but, you know, like, they, they recognize Modern as a format and Commander as a format, right? And, and stuff happened to those formats, so as a Popper purist, I don't know how you should feel about this, but, you know, it is something that happens. Yeah, I have... I have mixed feelings. Like, I think it's a, a good thing that they're focusing on the format. I think their choices to put on the panel are really good ones. There are a lot of people that I know in the community that are really active in Popper, been making Popper content and so forth for a really long time. So I think the choices were good. Uh, having Gavin on it, I think is, that gives me some hope that this will actually be successful. But at the same time, I'm like naturally skeptical of wizards making committees because we've just had so many in the past where uh, I remember like a, a magic online advisory committee back in 2016 they announced it it was a lot of people that i knew that played a lot of moto and i was friends with that were on this panel and the idea was oh like you're gonna advise us and give us your feedback and it's gonna make magic online way better and apparently uh, it was one of those things where like they kind of did it for a couple of months and then they just kind of like stopped answering emails and it just like fizzled and fell apart and nothing actually came of it so i'm always a little bit skeptical that that's something that could happen things just change so fast at corporations like wizards that even if it's a good idea now are people still going to think it's a good idea and stay committed to it six months from now uh but having gavin leading it does give me does give me some hope that maybe this will go differently than the moto panel and popper's been in kind of a rough place it's definitely the bannings have come way too slowly people haven't been happy with the meta so maybe people having a direct line to someone in power that can actually like make changes to the format i'm hopeful that it'll actually improve the popper format so i guess we'll have to wait and see hopefully it ends up being a good thing and i mean i think the worst case is it just ends up fizzling out and nothing really changes so there's doesn't seem to be much to lose by doing this as far as uh from the perspective of the popper community like i, I don't know what bad thing could possibly come out of this and maybe some good comes from it 
Uh, all right, next up on our list, we got a we got a blogatog question. If uh, you don't know the blogatog, that is Mark Rosewater's Tumblr, which is actually a pretty interesting follow because he uh, addresses questions from the community, answers questions, also posts some questions, and we got a couple of uh, of kind of interesting ones that were posted this week. With the first one being, which supplemental set? is your favorite? And I think this is actually kind of an interesting question. Uh, it did exclude master sets. So this is not the just like straight up reprint sets, but like battle bonds and plane chases and modern horizons. What do you guys think about this? Do you have a favorite supplemental set? I think the only, like I, I like the modern horizon sets because you know, it, it is brand new modern cards made for modern. So that could be good or bad, but I do enjoy the fact that there are brand new modern cards. I, want to say something like battle bond but i've never played it <laughs> same with like half these things we don't play like plane chase like those things we can't play on moto so but they're like cool in concept um modern horizons is very cool except i just don't like like i like the new cars but i don't like what it does to the meta and the prices so i i don't know uh but i, I think something like battle bond but i wish we could actually play it just like a, a new way to play magic and it still injects cards into popular formats. Yeah, I think that it is tough when we play mostly on Magic Online because most of these are paper-only formats. Uh, I think we tried to play Plane Chase once because the cards technically exist, and it just did not work, period, on Magic Online. Like, you could you could play with the cards, but the actual, like, rolling the planter dies and, like, having planes do things, like, none of that stuff actually ended up working. I think for me, like... I'm still a Modern Horizons defender. Like, I, I know there's negative consequences. I know there's price issues. I know there's um, too much upheaval to the meta. But at the same time, every time a Modern Horizons comes out, I have a really huge amount of fun playing Modern with the new card. So I think that would be number one. Also, a shout out for one that I don't know if it's so much for me in specific, but I think it's a really, really great product, and that would be Jumpstart. I think Jumpstart is, like, one of the best products that Wizards has made recently, even though it's not especially designed for me. I guess what I get out of it is someone who doesn't play a ton of limited but plays a lot of constructed is I still get new cards entering constructed formats. We're getting, like, new cards in Historic on Arena. That's how we got, like, Muxus in Historic and in Legacy, and Muxus might not be, you know, the best card, but still, uh, we get new cards, and that's uh, what the established players get. It, but I think it's a really cool product where a, a newer player can just buy two of these packs and shuffle them together and just play limited without having to deal with the hurdle of like building a deck and all the complicated aspects of limited. So I think that Jumpstart is actually one of the best products that Wizards has made recently as far as supplemental products, even though I don't think the actual like Jumpstart gameplay is especially exciting for someone like me who's played Magic for a long time. It gets, it gets repetitive a little bit quickly, but I still think it's a, a really good product. Do Commander products fall under this? <laughs> like the Commander Ooh. sets or Commander Legends? Because I think those well, I mean, I guess... are the, <sighs> the most popular and oh. impactful ones. Yeah, Commander, I mean, Commander Legends, Legends Right? Yeah, that is a supplemental set. So I would say that that, that, would, that would definitely count. I mean, it's basically Modern Horizons for Commander. So, yeah. I, then, I, then I actually love Commander Legends. I think the Commander Legends set might be absolutely my favorite then. Because, I mean, it, I, I, it gave me... Opposition agent. It gave me so many cool cards that I really enjoyed. So, right. <laughs> I, I, I am opposition agent and whole Yeah, <laughs> I genuinely enjoyed those cards. So, 
Uh, yeah, I hope we get more of those. Well, I mean, we know we got another one coming, actually, in, in the next few months with the Battle for Baldur's Gate Commander Legends, like the D&D slash Commander Legends set, which should be pretty interesting. But yeah, I, I kind of forgot about Commander Legends, too. I think that is another really good selection. Uh, what about worse? Do you have any supplemental sets that you really don't like? <laughs> is there any of this stick out there? Like, why, why did they even make this? Just unsets. What do you think no, about the new take on it? Like, does the new take make you more excited? That like half the acorn, stop, half black border, stop, half not. Stop making stuff that doesn't sell, and then bolting on stuff that sells to it. Right? <laughs> like, it should be, it should have its own merit, right? And that actually goes to a lot of these. Like, you know, they make some weird multiplayer format that not a lot of people play, and then they just like throw in expensive staples for you to go buy them. I'm like. Maybe if no one buys them, like, don't make it, right? And, like, just sell your expensive staples, right? Like, it's, it's weird. But I think I think the Silver Border sets are the most egregious offender of this, where if it was such a great product, then it does not need fetch lands and shock lands and full arts to sell it, right? It should just stand on its own or just be cheaper or whatever. Yeah. I almost feel like they should make the Silver Border sets, but just not print them. Just like post the jokes on your Twitter, because that's all I really want out of it is to <laughs> see the see the cards, see the jokes. But I don't actually have any interest in like opening the packs and owning the cards. I just want to know what jokes you have for this this set of unsets. Yeah, pretty much. I never I never play them. I don't even know. Like I never drafted Unhinged or any of those other sets, and I never really understand. Uh, like I never buy into it. Cause I just don't. It doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. So. Definitely, like, adding on, like, fetch lands, shock lands, all that stuff. This is the first unset I've ever cared about, and specifically cards that are now, like, actually legal in the formats I play. So much like Richard had mentioned, I think the fact that, you know, they're stapling on things that, you know, we, we do want into a set that we, like, kind of don't really care about is a little bit of a nuisance, but for me, it's just, like, whatever. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of feel like... I think I agree with Richard. Like, uh, the new unset... Would it be better if they just like got rid of the unset cards and made it a commander legend with a bunch of like cool black border cards that people did want to play with? It does feel like a little cheap almost like you got to you know, the feeling when you open an arena pack and you just get a whole bunch of gems because you already have everything in your collection and yeah. how miserable that is. I feel like that is what these unsets do because you're opening to get like I would be opening to get the black border cards that I can actually play somewhere. But I'm going to be staring back at a bunch of acorn silver border cards that I you know don't have any use for. But so I think, yeah, I, I think it would be better if it was all one way or the other, most likely. Uh, all right. We got another Mark Rosewater question, which this one's a little weird and I'm not sure the right way to answer this. But the question is, in the last five years, what set felt the most magic, quote unquote, to you and what set felt the least magic? So this is using whatever definition of magic. And I think it's coming from mostly a flavor perspective. Uh, but I'm curious, out of recent sets, which one feels the most like magic? However you define that and which one feels the least? Strictly going off of flavor, huh? What would I say flavor wise? So I like for me. Wait, wait, An wait, easy for, choice. What is five, what's five years, Seth? <laughs> what is, what is uh, the set at five years? Oh like God! Uh, <laughs> okay. So, original in Innistrad's like oh my goodness, like twelve years or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a really, really long time. Really long time. Uh, I'm gonna let, let's say going back to like our return to 
Zendikar, maybe? I think Battle for Zendikar. Let, let's go with that. Maybe that's roughly five. Yeah, that's probably, like, almost ten years, too, and I'm an idiot. But let, let's go with somewhere in that range. Like, uh, going back to sets that are, like, inhistoric on Magic Arena, maybe. I mean, oh. I think an easy choice for most Magic would be Dominaria, coming from, like, a really, a really traditionalist perspective. Like, uh, I don't know. It has a lot of classic magic stuff in it. So I think that felt very magic-y. Least magic-y, that one's super, super hard. Like, I I don't even know. I don't know what magic is anymore as far as flavor, because things are changing so much. We were just talking about the DJ in Kamigawa. We're going to New Capena with, you know, this modern, you know, gangster set. So I don't really know what qualifies as, as magic. I don't even know what I feel magic is. I don't feel like I have this, like, super... I never came from the world of high fantasy. I'm not someone who, like, grew up reading Lord of the Rings and comic books and have this, like, super, you know, traditionalist view of what fantasy is so for me it's a really a really tricky question to answer because i just don't have that strong connection but i know like you guys have more of that connection do any of the recent sets really stand out as like not being magic-y to you uh not i'm still trying to figure out what's the most magic-y i mean like yeah like <laughs> I, th- I think like like the least magic to me might be jeez i don't i don't know i mean like they all felt like magic to me so far i just can't figure out which one's the least five years what about like i don't even what about like ikoria is ikoria i I was gonna say that's one of the least so i think ikoria itself is kind of magic-y but the godzilla in there like really makes it obvious to you that it's kind of not magic-y and this is not the same game you played a long time ago Uh, i think ixalan is kind of up there too with like um is that five years ago is, that's is it, a, wait, that's in it? the last five years. Is yeah, that? that's got it. That was 20, 2017. So yeah, Ixalan was, oh, was yeah. All right, all right. just about five years you ago. You have like kind of like the colorful dinosaurs, which you don't. I, I don't know. Like if if Magic did dinosaurs and it was like nineteen ninety five, right? I would expect them to look Jurassic Parky, right? Um, and like you you had like the you know the conquistadors and stuff like that. So like I don't know. It felt less magicy, but I. I'm not sure. Like everything, like just everything is magic-y nowadays. Like magic can be anything. So I don't have that really strong notion. Uh, maybe Eldrain was magic-y. I, I don't know. Like it kind of fit that high fantasy, the the showcase and everything kind of fit in theme. Oko feels like a magic card. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, I would actually say probably for me, like, I, well, I, I know that for me, I think, I, I think War, War of the Spark felt really, really cool like so i i guess i i don't know i thought of like how big magic's always been and i think war of the spark did a really good job of capturing the epicness that is magic uh but outside of like so now like on the other side the least magic i I think it's you're you're probably right it's gonna probably be and and of ixalan i think it's probably rivals of ixalan Ixalan was like a Hearthstone set. That, that's yeah. the first thing I thought of. Just like so much of it felt like, I don't know, Magic tries to do things that Hearthstone were doing. And I mean, it's still Magic stuff for the most part. Like a lot of it, it's not like so far out there that you can't, you know, understand it being Magic. There's still merfolk and vampires and like classic tribes. But a lot of it came across like a little bit Hearthstonian to me. So I think I could get behind Ixalan and Ixalan Black being the the least uh, Magic-y. Why, why Rivals uh, compared to normal Ixalan? Is there something in specific from Rivals? Uh, so like when I, like if I think about which cards are in like Rivals of Ixalan, 
and then specifically just Ixalan. Still, Ixalan didn't feel like it was as magic-y, but you know what? It had more cards that I I felt like would be in the realm of magic, right? Like, outside of, like, Azor and, like, Ongrath, everything else was just... It, I don't know. It just didn't feel as magic-y to me. Or maybe because it was just my least favorite set from the entire last <laughs> five years, maybe. But, I mean, at least when it came to, like, how underpowered it was. A lot of the artwork to me just looked very Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, I could I could see that. <laughs> like like all the art if you look at the artwork, it does feel way more like pirates like. So do you think we need to just change our definition of what magic is? That's the other thing this question made me think of because I mean, 10 years ago, pretty much every set was some form of, like, relatively high fantasy. Like, that was the early years of Magic. But now, I don't know. We're getting so many unique themes and so many different things. Like, kind of like you mentioned, Richard, do we have to just kind of consider everything to fall under the Magic umbrella at this point? Uh, and just, like, move past the idea that Magic is exclusively this, like, high fantasy game? Because I kind of think the answer is yes. And that Wizards is going to outer space and going to gangster worlds or planes and... All of that still feels, or can still feel magic, uh, magic-y to me. Like, I think it depends on how they actually, like, implement it in the specific cards. But I don't see any reason why you can't have cyberpunk magic or outer space magic or, you know, 1920s gangster-themed magic and still have it feel like magic. Yeah, I, I think I think that's, the, to me, the, the whole high fantasy kind of thing. I, I, I already did away with that quite some time ago, I guess, so... Cause, and it never, it never bothered me that it, anything wasn't like high fantasy either. So I have no attachment to that. And I think that, uh, a good amount of people will probably be upset at the idea of, you know, like moving away from it. But I think that that's what magic wants to do. And I think that that makes a lot of sense for magic too. Cause, at, you know, I'd like to see new planes. I'd like, even, even if New Capenna ends up being like terrible, I, I, I think it's a cool idea. You know, recently when it comes to themes, I, I've actually been really applauding the uh, the attempts of trying different things in the world of magic. So I think it's been really fun. Yeah, I think the notion that magic is high fantasy was like was killed like years ago, right? Like, you know, Eldrazi, is that high fantasy? Or Spaghetti monsters? Fantasy? Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. we've gone like way beyond that. And at this point, magic is something like red is burn. Blue is counter spells, green is stompy or something, right? And as long as the set kind of maintains that, like that's what magic is, like the guilds and then the occasional, you know, token phoenix and angel in every set or something. So I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think, like, did the Dungeons and Dragons set feel high fantasy to you? Like, that was like isn't that literally like high fantasy right there? But like, it doesn't, right? Like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just magic at this point. Hmm. Well, any other thoughts on on uh, <laughs> on any of this before we move on to our next topic? We have we have kind of an interesting one. So this was a big Reddit post from a few days ago where someone brought up the reasons for power creep in the commander format in specific. And uh, I'll, I'll try to stick a link to this uh, post in the description, at least on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, you can find it on Reddit probably because I think it's it's almost an article. It's uh, it's pretty long and in depth. Richard, what were the main points of this post? And, uh, and then we can discuss them a little bit. 
All right. Uh, so basically, there there's a a couple things. Uh, so the format has become more popular, and enfranchised commander players are getting older slash more experienced. Uh, there are a lot of commander uh, content on YouTube, Twitch, podcasts, and whatnot. Uh, EDH Rec is uh, put to blame here as well as people have access to all the data and can quite easily build decks. Uh, so those are some of the the big talking points in this thread. And essentially, there, there's some argument being made here that it's not actually... Uh, the the power level on the cards. It's not wizards to blame. It's kind of this community around and the content and the resources we have uh, that have led to power creep in the commander format. What do you what do you think about this? Like, what how, is commander being power crept? Uh, I guess that's number one. Uh, I mean, I think decks are definitely more tuned and more powerful than they were a few years ago. Uh, but do you guys think that commander is slowly power creeping? I mean. Is it, is it commander or is it magic as a whole? Because I, I I think magic as a whole is kind of just moved towards power, like like being power crept. Commander just happens to also be in it. Oh, well, I guess now with commander being the main focus, like sure. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I guess yeah. And I mean, this is just like how you look at tournament magic, right? When there's open deck lists, there's all these posted lists everywhere. Uh, every bit, every tournament, there's always info. Like, naturally, the format gets solved, uh, you know, and, and I feel like Commander, with it having, like, people playing all day, uh, there's Commander games going off at all points, and, you know, yeah, EDH rec and easy ways to look up other deck lists and, you know, percentages of, like, what cards are played in most decks, it does kind of make it so that if you wanted to build a specific Anawan deck, there's probably, a, like, you know, a good... You know, you just pull up like the first 10 Anawan lists and you can probably combine them, mix them together, and you'd have like the best and most optimized Anawan list you could find. What do you think, Richard? Is Commander Power creeping? I, I don't know how this is a conversation. Like if I said, <laughs> use all the resources and all the knowledge that you have today and use only cards 1999 and prior, we'll see what your deck looks like, right? Like <laughs> the cards are so much more powerful today. Like, yes, these... You know, these factors matter, right? Like, yes, there's more content, you know, EDH tracking, look up data and stuff like that, right? But if I gave you cards from five years prior, right, you did not get the latest commander sets. You did not get the latest commander legends or the latest standard sets. Your deck is like multiple levels of power below, right? Like the cards have simply become much, much more powerful and it's changed the way games play out. And like, I, I don't know how it can be anything but that, right? Like you, you cannot take a five-year-old commander deck and be competitive in terms of power level, right? You can maybe still have fun, right? Like maybe the shift has changed. Like maybe less people are playing for fun and playing for more competitive reasons. But um, the cards have definitely gotten so much stronger, right? And like Krim said, it's not just a commander thing, right? Take a standard deck from five years ago versus now. Like the power, the power difference is large, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true. I, I think the it is true that those other things play into it. Like, EDH Rec, it does make it easy or easier to optimize your list, if that's something you want to do. There is way more content and, you know, people sharing their deck lists uh, on YouTube and on social media. I think all those things do play into it, but I think when it comes down to it, like, 
the bottom line is still the cards just keep getting better. Like it, this can't all be attributed to people getting, you know, better at optimizing their decks because of EDH rec or whatever. I would say that for me, the biggest thing is definitely just the, the cards increasing in power. And if you look through EDH rec and look at just the most played cards, there's a lot of new cards in there. Sure, you still got your brainstorms, you still got your signets and mana rocks from two decades ago, but if you browse around, a lot of those cards are cards that were printed in the last few years. You got all your Dockside Extortionists and Jessica's Will and a, a big percentage of those cards. So I think that that really is the, the biggest contributing factor. And I think Krim is very right. Like we see this happening through all of Magic where we were talking about, could a modern deck from 2015 beat a standard deck from like Eldraine Standard? And I'm not sure that, uh, that it could at least consistently or in most cases uh, so we see this happening through all of magic and not just commander but it's certainly happening with commander and i would say if i had to choose one reason for the power creep it's wizard started printing cards for commander <laughs> just like we see in modern like what really snowballed the power creep in modern it was when wizard started printing modern horizons and printing cards specifically designed for that format I think the proliferation, we used to have what, a, a set of commander decks a year uh, for the first, you know, five years or something of wizards making commander cards. And now we're getting, you know, commander legends on a maybe yearly basis. We're getting commander decks with every single set. We're getting all these commander products. I think that's what contributes the most to power creep because wizards needs to sell those products like that. That's the goal of printing these products is to sell them. And that means you got to print dockside extortionist or you got to print whatever opposition agent or jeweled Lotus or whatever, you know, power crep card arcane signet, because otherwise, if you just print a bunch of bad cards, no one's going to buy your product. So I think that would be my number one reason is just wizards focusing on printing cards for those formats and uh, in products for those formats. And I think that is is almost by necessity going to lead to power creep in Commander or in any other format. What do you think about the, the EDH rec thing? How do you use EDH rec? Because I know this is something that's come up a lot is people being like, oh, EDH rec, is it a bad thing? Is it actually bad for the format? Because it makes it too easy for, you know, people to play a good deck, I guess. Like you can define cards that are good with their archetype. How do you personally use EDH rec if you do in your deck building? I don't, th I, I think it's a blessing, right? I, I, I think that having the access out there to like, you know, kind of like tune your deck and to make it semi-playable, right? You, this is great for people that are just getting into the format and they just want to make a list or a deck that are just like, okay, well, here's what like a good deck looks like, right? Uh, over time, when I started playing Magic, I started to, I, well, first I learned what an optimal list looks like. Then I worked my way backwards. Then I die, I pulled cards out. I powered things down. And then that like, at first, you know, I was playing Nekusar, right? And I, I played a fully optimized version, so you could imagine how fun that was. And then eventually I worked my way backwards. So I, because EDH rec existing, I'm able to see what, like what a normal list looks like. And I think that's important. And then I can just kind of deviate from that. So the data helps. Yeah. I, what about you, Richard? Okay. As, as the owner of a website that has deck lists, I may be slightly biased, right? But <laughs> this notion is like completely ridiculous to me, right? Like it, <clears throat> when, I, when I hear things like this, it sounds like someone built a deck on their own and got absolutely demolished and are salty yeah. and are blaming Net people decker. for Netdecker, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like, how is it bad that people can instantly figure out what cards combo with 
their cards. Like if I have a random card, I'm like, okay, you know, this commander, what what cards go well with it? You know, EDH track will like instantly tell me, you know, these are the synergies you can get and like people tend to play these cards. Like the alternative is that I read 10 million magic cards one by one and like find what I want, right? Like that's like quite ridiculous. So the resource is there. It's up to you to decide like, you know, everyone plays Jessica's Will. Do you need to play Jessica's Will? Do you want to play Jessica's Will, right? But the data is everyone does play it, right? And you make that choice whether to put it in. And so like I, when I use EDH rec, I just type in my commander or whatever card I'm trying to build around. Take a look at the top put, synergies. Put in the first hundred cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah like I, oh, that right? sounds like I you're neck decking. I just look at the combos, right? And then I put in dousing daggers and like all my other crap I put in. Secret rendezvous and stuff just for fun, right? Like, you know, but at least I know what the combos are. So I'm not playing, you know, like uh, my commander without, you know, missing half the stuff, right? And sometimes I don't use the common cards, right? Like there's many times it's like a combo commander or something. I'm like, I don't want to play combo, right? So it's good to know that everyone plays this commander with combo. Uh, but I will go put in some fair cards and do it the way I want, right? So I don't know. It, it just sounds like someone got destroyed and was like really salty. <laughs> and then they're blaming like all these resources that people are using, right? And I, I understand that. There's like some purists, right? Like what if you had no information and everyone sat down and discovered all the cards together, right? But I think that's not realistic in today's world, right? People don't have 30 hours to build a deck, right? They got to build a deck in an hour and buy the cards or, or whatever, right? So uh, I think all these tools are a positive and especially for something casual, right? Where the power level doesn't actually matter. Like, I, I don't think it's a big downside. Yeah, I mean, so for me, as far as how I use EDH Rec, I usually try to build my deck and then I go to EDH Rec after I've either built it or mostly build it and and just kind of do a double check if I missed anything like super obvious or super cool. So that's mostly how I build it. It is really hard for me to think of having data available to the community and to the public being a bad thing in basically any situation. Like I'm just pro data. I'm just pro data in general. So I think EDH rec is a good thing. I think it's it's your responsibility as a commander player to uh, to choose how to use it. Like you don't have to optimize your deck. Like that's the, the, I think that's the thing that maybe we miss in all this is uh, you don't have to play the best version of the deck. Commander a lot of times is more fun if you don't play the best version of your deck, but that's not EDH Rex fall if someone wants to build, you know, the most optimized version of a specific commander. That's just a choice someone's making, but I would encourage people if you're getting into commander and you're trying it out uh, to definitely use all the resources available to you, but don't fall into the trap where every deck you build has to be the most optimized version because I think you're going to actually have less fun playing commander if that's your goal with every deck that you build. I think uh, you're going to have a way better time if your goal is to play the cards that you really enjoy playing and play, you know, the uh, the play styles that you enjoy playing rather than building your commander decks like you build your 60 card decks where a lot of your 60 card decks, especially if you're trying to grind up the ladder, you're playing in tournaments, then tell your goal is to be as optimized as possible. Like that is what 60 card magic is about. Commander doesn't have to be about that. So I think that the format's more fun if you 
intentionally choose to play some cards that maybe aren't the best cards. Uh, but again, it's not the fact that the data exists that's the problem. I think it's just a, a, a norm and people need to be comfortable not building the best version of every deck because it makes the format way more enjoyable in my opinion. I would also say like the influx of new players has caused Commander to be more competitive because I actually think the longer you play, the worse your deck gets. Uh, because like you like when you when you first start playing, you don't know what's going on and you need to kind of prove to yourself like you're you know you're a good commander player or you're gonna have fun and you're gonna play cyclonic rift and ristic study and stuff, right? Before you know how broken they are. And you know, you, you haven't experienced these cards before, so you will play them and your deck will be really good. But over time you will be like, wow, this card's actually kind of boring. And then you start playing more <laughs> obscure pet cards and even though your deck is better built, the power level is lower. So I, I actually think this is a very common thing, right? Where when you first get in, you got to build with all the staples and all the good cards because that's what you know about. But that leads to decks being too powerful. And then, you know, after years and years of Commander, you've seen it all. So now you're just playing like whatever pet combos you want to play or whatever pet cards you want to play. So the, the influx that's, of new players, I think, has kind of made it a bit spiky. That's a that's a really good point. And I think to kind of piggyback on that, I think we've also seen a trend of like competitive players joining Commander. Like there's hasn't been a lot of competitive paper magic going on. So I think we've seen more and more. I mean, one example that sticks out is like Kibler joining Commander. And Kibler is someone I would think of as, you know, a very spiky. Like sure, he kind of does it his own way. And but he's like, he's a, he's a pro's pro in every game that he's played. Seeing him picking up Commander in other, you know, uh, more spiky players. It seems natural to me that if you're coming from uh, the tournament scene and joining Commander, Commander, you're probably going to start off building your commander decks pretty powerful, like you would build your tournament decks, because that's how you build decks in 60 card formats. So I think maybe that plays into it too, like new players in general, but also players that five years ago maybe wouldn't have given commander, you know, a second thought because they were too busy playing modern or legacy or, you know, competitive standard. Uh, some of these players are joining, and I think maybe that leads to more powerful decks, at least at first two as your first, uh, is your first learning how to build your decks, because I know that's when I started playing. I've talked about this before with like all the tutors and the way I built my decks was very different because I was coming from the perspective of someone who primarily built, you know, modern decks or standard decks and wanted the optimization and wanted that consistency. And it took me a while of building commander decks to kind of adjust to the format and realize how I wanted to play the format, how I wanted to interact with the format. So I think that that definitely plays into it as well. Anyway, any other any other thoughts on any of this stuff before we uh, answer some fish mails? All right, Richard, it's a little earlier than normal, but fish mail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MGGoldfish with the hashtag MGFishMail. I'll get to your questions on air. So Ian Polakoff. So Mengu said 45% win rate when on the play. If true, should Watsi change rules to undisadvantage on the play? Play till a player uh, is less than zero, but like basketball or like baseball, each player gets to play the same number of innings or on the play gets a less chance, a last chance to bat slash uh, tie to win. Ooh. So I think those numbers are are probably correct. I remember 
wow, this is years ago, maybe 2015, 2016. Do you remember when we could uh, get data from Magic Online, Richard? Or we do like 85,000 games of standard analyzed or something before uh, before Wizards kind of shut that down. Uh, th that was kind of the percentages we found there as well, as far as played all uh, draw difference, like eight to 10% difference, like 53 to 47, 55 to 45, depending on the format and you know the specific cards. So this has been a, a thing for a long time. So I think that's probably true does it need to be fixed i think the fact that magic has succeeded for a long time with this being a part of the game means that it's not a it's not a threat to the game's existence like it's been like this for a long time and magic has been thriving and growing even with there being this big disadvantage to being on the draw at the same time i do think that tweaking the rules to maybe try to even the playing field a little bit could be worth it. I don't know how to do it though. A, a lot of the ideas seem abusable or they seem like they could shift things too far in the other direction where it's actually like an advantage to be on the draw rather than be on the play, especially since on the draw you get an extra card. So if you go too far in that direction, then you just have the same problem in the opposite direction. I've always wondered about like letting the person on the draw scry or something, just like some really tiny change that's probably gonna shift the numbers by a very little, a very little amount, maybe one percent or something. But even something like that could be helpful. But what do you think, Krim? You play a lot of Magic. What do you think about the play draw problem? Does does getting to scry or doing any of that solve the issues like that are at hand with being on the draw? I mean, person going first will get to play their resource first. There's lots of one drops, so you not only need to, not only will the person going on the play get like you know first crack at the resources and whatnot and playing their land for turn they could potentially immediately like turn one thought seize right strip your hand uh of the main reason why you probably kept your hand right so i don't know i mean it it scrying one almost feels like it's not enough but like just a well, how would how would you fix it do you have any i what would your suggestion be do you have any ideas well, if we did want to try to fix it i like i genuinely love the idea of how the coin worked in Hearthstone. Essentially, I everyone has a Simeon Spirit Guide, right? And Or everyone that went second had a Simeon Spirit Guide. I think something like that could work in the world of Magic. Um, and I think, or at least I'd like to see how that plays out myself. But yeah, like being able to like play a, a land and then get a burst in mana for one turn. It might be a little bit too strong, I guess, for Magic. But that would be my my worry is like maybe that's just too much. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. You have maybe, to walk that what if line, it, right? Because the issue is like, yeah, maybe maybe the coin is a bit too powerful, but everything there like right now just feels like playing first is just so much better because it has whatever it is, it has to be equivalent to the ability to play a land first and go one drop. So that power level. I'm actually surprised they haven't worked more on this issue, considering how important best of one is to to Magic Arena and how popular it is on Magic Arena, because at least in best of three, like it kind of normalizes a little bit because you have three games in best of one, though. That's one of the reasons I don't play much best of one, honestly, is it just feels really brutal when you lose the die roll and you're like, OK, I'm starting at a 10 percent disadvantage. Like that's a huge disadvantage when it's that one game to determine who wins the entire match. So I'm surprised this hasn't been something that has been more of an issue or been more talked about as far as possible changes just because of the best in one thing. I mean, I think the problem is just modern card design. Like if this didn't used to be an issue. And I think if you actually if we had the data and we charted on the play win rate over time, 
it has just actually increased because back in the old days of magic, right, you would have an advantage being on the play, right? But you would get to this mode where uh, you don't die because you're on the draw and then you start going to top deck mode. And at this point, you're not dead. Both players are equal, but you have one extra card. So you are advantaged. Right Today, what happens is the game is snowballed out of control by turn three uh, and the game ends and you both die with, you know, you die with cards in hand, essentially. Right. So the extra card you drew from being on the on the uh, draw or yeah, on the draw doesn't matter. So I, I think it's this like if you make the game about tempo, which is what it's about today, the person doing everything first has a huge advantage, whereas like 15 years ago, it was actually about card advantage, right? And the tempo and the card, adva- card advantage like, kind of balanced out. So I actually don't think the coin would fix anything. I think, you know, like you, you still die, right? <laughs> like one man, like you get, you get to neutralize the tempo for one turn, but they have tempo like for every other turn, right? And I think it only fixes when every card doesn't come with card advantage, that if you actually end most games in a top deck battle, then this problem fixes itself. And then you're like, well, if we're going to end up in a top deck battle, then, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go in the draw and I'll have an extra card on you. Right. Hmm. So basically, I mean, I think that is true. The snowbally cards definitely play into it. Like your opponent playing a Raghavan on the play is a lot different than playing a Savannah Lions on the play <laughs> as far as uh, how powerful it's going to be, how hard it is for you to keep up if you're on the draw. So you think there's just like, no solution for it or the solution is wizards changing their card design has to be right because like because everything snowballs if i give you just a five percent advantage from turn one it snowballs to 30 percent by turn three right like because the game is based on snowballing any advantage you start with just goes out of control so the coin could work if you're able to neutralize that advantage with the coin and then now there's nothing to snowball but i don't know that the coin would actually do that it might not be strong enough. Like, what if you had two coins? Is that enough? Two, two coins is way <laughs> too broken, right? They're like, them going, like, turn one thought season, you going, like, well, I don't know, any of the three drops in my hand is kind of absurd. Yeah, I yeah. would worry that one coin might even be too broken. Yeah. Or maybe, like, maybe, why would it be too uh, broken? Everyone chooses to be on the draw. Now you're exactly where you are today, where everyone decides to be on the play. <laughs> like, like, it's not, like, that's not even, like, that bad, right? Like, what would... I, I would worry just more about the... Lower, right? I would worry about a lot of the same thing. Oh, yeah. So I guess my concern would mostly be older formats where remember Simeon Spear Guide being banned because, like, oh, turn one Cascade into Velky is so busted or whatever. Uh, I, I would worry about some of that stuff. Just like the Cascade decks are super fast or, oh, they're reanimating their Emrakul or Grizzlebrand on turn one now because they have two extra mana or whatever. They can Faithless Looting and Gorya's Vengeance like all on turn one. So I would worry more about that. I think maybe that's less of a concern in like standard, but I think in older formats, just like giving everyone a free Lotus Petal or two would probably just like incentivize degenerate like goldfish combo decks like really heavily i mean that's how you beat tempo right don't care about tempo just (laughs) combo (laughs) off and win on the spot right so yeah yeah i don't know but i mean like i I remember when there was a time where you'd actually think about being on the draw like you're like you know is it worth i i feel that thought comes up like 0.1 percent of the time now you mean that you mean that same correct. that same time when like people would just concede to a Sphinx's revelation? 
<laughs> and now, and now, like, and the amount of games where I just had like five lands in hand, and I was like, "Oh well, I'm glad you conceded." But that's because, because <laughs> back then, all you cared about was like what Richard mentioned, card advantage, right? I mean, I, I have four cards on you right now after a rev. It doesn't matter what they are; they could actually just be five lands. But I'm just so far ahead of you. But the answer is to add tempo to every card. So now every card comes with a lotus petal. <laughs> that's uh that i don't know if that's exactly uh that, like ragavan everyone is ragavan now now you can make up being on the draw by ragavaning to catch back up <laughs> that that's the that's the Yu-Gi-Oh rnd <laughs> or at, like taking over there i feel like the way you you beat ragavan is you make a better ragavan so <laughs> was there ever a, an era in magic where everyone chose to be on the draw like control mirrors are the only one I can think of, but yeah, there, like everywhere, like that was like the entire meta. Like, not some, that I some limited formats are slow enough that that happens, but ever in constructed, not that I know of. If, if that ever happened in constructed, uh, that was definitely before my time. I I would say no, it's never happened. We've had like twenty years of on the play. How about we have one year of on the draw and see, see what happens? <laughs> but right? if everybody like, wants to go on the draw, then is that not just the same as going on the play? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's different. <laughs> Oh, okay. In, in I guess in like title or whatever, but like play wise, it feels. It would be the You're same. right. There, there's no effective change to that, right? Yeah. But it, it would be interesting to see because like no one ever does it. Um, I can't like I, I guess dredge. If you're if you're playing mandalus dredge, you want to you want to go second to discard. Yeah, there there's certain matchups or decks that want to, but as far as the format overall, I mean, it would be interesting. I guess I lean towards make some small. That's why I like the scry thing. Is the scry going to be enough to really change things? Probably, well, very likely not. But it would be something, and that would be at least a first step towards maybe fixing things or like. And then if that's not enough, then try something else that's even more powerful. Although I don't know if it's ever possible to get to like exactly fifty fifty. Yeah, I, I think that would be very very difficult to ever have it be no advantage player draw. Like, uh, I mean, even like, isn't isn't that a thing even in like chess? Isn't there a big disadvantage to like? playing uh, last in in games like chess that have no variance at all so i feel like that's just a game thing to some extent and it's not really solvable i don't know is, is, is what is the win rate in hearthstone i'm actually curious well, is it more well, balanced I, or the, less balanced because of the coin the cards that happen in hearthstone get a little wild so i guess like naturally like just having that coin does a lot almost there. Ooh, that I, alchemy is gonna happen i mean yeah well i mean at this point also does the coin count as casting it because it, yeah i think it would right hypothetically so if it does then like phoenix would just be so happy yeah, it ups i'm curious <laughs> i'm curious what <laughs> hearthstone is that is that is true as a miracle rogue player i can attest yes yeah <laughs> exactly oh man the, the coin does count you combo with it yeah oh wow so so this article that I saw, if if this is correct, it says one point three percent advantage with the coin to going first, even with the coin. But that's much closer than ten percent. Yeah. Well, I I don't have the, all the data for that. That's just an article I found from Tempo Storm. But the coin feels less bad. I mean, if if, if you were to ever use alchemy for something, use it for this, <laughs> right? What like, about give them a coin on the draw and see how it goes, and if it makes things worse. Then roll it back and say digital only testing ground, haha. But if it's good, then you can roll it out to the rest of the magic, right? What about more life? 
What if you let the person <laughs> that, on the draw start with like plus five life or something? Like a hundred more life? Like how? Yeah, how like, yes. <laughs> yeah, then it then it would Maybe be not. significant, right? Oh my god. <laughs> Speaker of the heavens Infinite. would be like one of the most like absurd cards ever, right? Because you're already like immediately <laughs> able to tap it and make a four four. I, I mean, life would work if you only played aggro decks, but you know, as a control player or something, like, here, have fun, have more life on the draw, right? Like, who cares, right? As a hey, combo player, who cares, right? Or may- maybe not as a combo, but as a control player against an aggro deck, I'll take the free life, sure. Th- th- that's what I'm saying, right? But if you are against, oh. like, a like the aggro deck, they can have all the life they want, right? It doesn't yeah. matter, right? Here. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I think I've beaten so many aggro decks, like, <laughs> with them at, like, f- somehow gaining life. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's that is true. It is very matchup dependent. Hmm. Well, let us know what you think. Uh, if you're if you're someplace where you can leave comments, is it a problem worth fixing? And if it is, how would you try to try to uh, fix the imbalance between going first and going second? All right. Uh, next question. H nine nine Arison. What do you think of the notion that Commander has become the de facto beginner format? Since pre-cons have replaced intro decks, it's all too easy for someone to encounter Timothar before a vanilla 2-2, not to mention the multiplayer aspects. Ooh, Commander is a complicated format. Like, the gameplay itself I don't think is a whole lot harder than, you know, playing a 60-card format, but you have 100 unique cards. A lot of the cards have a lot of text. Even the pre-con cards, like, there's a lot going on on those cards, so yeah, I guess that would be what I would worry about is just, like, information overload for a new player where you have, where it could be overwhelming. Just to have so many words, so many different unique cards that you have to deal with. Also, at the same time, it is the, it is the dominant pool. paper format. Oh, yeah, that, that's also true. You have 23,000 cards that are legal in your format instead of, you know, a thousand or something like standard. So at the same time, though, it's what everyone's playing. So I guess that's if you're playing paper magic, that's uh, probably where most people are going to start these days, because that's most likely what your friends are playing or whatever, what you can actually get a game of. So it's- I wonder if they could ever do like uh, a new we talked about this before i don't know when we were talking about it richard like portal doing another portal set that's made for beginners i wonder if they'd ever do like some sort of simplified you know commander precon that was specifically designed like for new players rather than for existing commander players 100 vanilla tutus <laughs> yeah 100 grizzly bears yeah. and one ayula wow <laughs> it, honestly that's the that's the main thing right like the the cards get more you know a little more abstract things get a little bit weirder once you start like looking at commander decks even even like the basic pre-con commander decks right so i i don't know i mean i i still like starting with 60 card formats just because example it, it, it you just need to know the basics i think that's the first thing you just know how like like the hardest part is like explaining the stack like to someone that's never played magic the stack is just the weirdest thing ever and then, and like, you know, responding, the phase changes, right? Like that, just basic stuff like that. The only issue here is like the vanilla cards, like the two twos, right? The, the, the yoked oxes of, of magic, uh, or the, oh, yeah, the vanilla O fours aren't exactly like, you know, exciting. Everyone wants to like play the magic cards that look cool, right? So it, that's where commander does have its, like, its benefit. It's that it looks way cooler. So it is, it is way more to pick up at first, but I think magic is such a deep and intricate game that you should still start at the basics. Have your training wheels. Everyone dreads, like, you know, the, 
doing your scales and practicing your, 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 like, you know, your stuff to get better at guitar. But like everyone wants to jump right into like the Metallica songs and stuff like that, which I, I, I don't know. I, I still like 60 card formats for that. Like just getting your basics. I agree with Krim. I, I think magic is like League of Legends. It's one of these games where you need to play for 30 hours before you can actually play the game. Like you have yeah. no idea what's going on. It's like too complicated and you need to grind for 30 hours to get to a place <laughs> where you could actually just play like a noob. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> I, th- there's a big problem with that, right? Like it, it's really hard for new players. Like I can never ever play magic with any friends on board game night. Like we have problems playing like exploding kittens, right? There's like three <laughs> mechanics in that game or something, right? Or like unstable unicorns, which is like kind of like magic light, right? But game is like, fun. It's like too, it's too much for normal people to comprehend, right? Like, you know, we tell them like trample and flying and they're, they're busy figuring that out. And then you have like this like MDFC morph transform card or something like there, there's no way they can comprehend this when they don't know the order between upkeep and draw, right? So I, I agree with Krim that I think we actually need portal and we need 1v1 portal to actually get new players to to play and understand what's going on. Uh, the only saving grace is you just like poach Hearthstone players, right? Like if they've played another card game, then it's not too hard to take like a beginner commander pre-con and start playing. But for someone new to the genre altogether, it's like nigh impossible. Like you cannot... There's, like, way too many rules. And, like, we don't even know all the rules, right? When we play Commander, like, what happens? Like, I have no idea, right? Call call, call the judge, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's just way too complicated for, like, actual never-seen-a-magic-card-before new players to, like, play. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, last question. Gerald Das Herald, as a younger Magic player just getting ready for my first SCG event, Pioneer before COVID, and not being able to go... Do you think big organized play is dead? Ooh. I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope. It has not been a great year or two for competitive play. The pandemic's part of that, but honestly, a lot of these trends were heading in the wrong direction even before the pandemic, so I don't think you can blame it on that. Having QE running this stuff at Wizards gives me some amount of hope. So I'm going to say no. Uh, I'm going to say that we're going to get a good announcement about it at some point. Is it going to be exactly what we want? Are we going to go back to the golden age of 4,000 person GPs and all that stuff? That's probably not likely, but I don't think that competitive paper magic play is dead, dead. Uh, And I think that it will, in some form or another, make a comeback. Uh, I, so that's uh, maybe that's wishful thinking, but that's that's where I'm at. That's definitely wishful thinking. For, I, I I think that it's not dead, but it's taken a back seat. It's not the focus anymore. I don't think that's where I would I would agree. Yeah, like magic magic used to be way more competitive focused, right? But now with Commander taking over, and despite your feelings, whether you love the format or, or, or hate it, you you have to understand that that is magic now. And I I at least that's what I how i view it that's just my opinion but yeah like as someone who loved playing tournaments and all that stuff doing all those things this this is just where magic is because i think commander and things like that uh you know like four thousand person gps will exist but not in the way that we're used to or we're accustomed to from before uh magic's just at a point where commander best represents you know what 
like what you think magic is in your head when you when you get into magic right when you play with friends and and that's the magic that commander is so that's why it's so popular yeah i i agree with Kim. it depends on what you think organized play is right if organized play to you is going to a big event with four thousand other magic players in one area playing magic i think that lives on but that lives on in the form of commander um and you know, if you want to play competitive play, this will still exist, but it may be just once a year in one location, as opposed to once a month everywhere or once a week everywhere. Um, if organized play to you is like top tier competitive play, like you know, playing to win and having a big tournament and coming out on top, I think those will continue to exist, but they will be online, right? Like you would play arena opens, arena tournaments, whatever circuits they make there, or Magic Online events. Or even things like Eternal Weekend have moved online, right? So I think there will be a place for Spikes to play, but uh, it won't be kind of that weekly SCG event or, uh, you know, Grand Prix type event anymore. I think those will all be converted to Commander Gatherings where you can gather with Magic fans, but you may not be playing Standard or Modern or Pioneer. You may be playing Commander instead. Uh, so that's all the fish mail we had this week. So thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Uh, if you have questions, you can send them to at mtgoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 364 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a spectacular week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. Bye.